Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. I've managed to conjure up another stop motion claymation week as we put the brilliant Bertha up against Pingu. No, no. And we take a special look at a special cartoon and our first official French cartoon, Le Ménage Enchanté or as it's known here, the Magic Roundabout. I know I butchered that in French. Please forgive me. Pardon. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me uh, as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. Are you as excited as I am about this week? I, um, I've got some questions about um, some of the shows. Um, but this week was like, I mean, we had a good week last week, but this week was like head and shoulders above that. Um, I wouldn't go as far as say it was a good week. I'm going to be honest. Look, sometimes we're going to do great shows. We're going to do elite shows. And sometimes we're going to do shows that just suck. (laughs) Like biker mice from Mars. I didn't even bring it up. You did. <laughs> you brought it up. I, I wasn't even going to go there with Biker Mice on Mars, okay? And from what I remember, I think you liked it, didn't you? I liked it more. Or you didn't hate it as much <laughs> as I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not very difficult, to be honest. But um, yeah, look, sometimes sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe not good, you know? Like, you have to roll with the punches. And like I said, I've managed to conjure up another stop motion claymation set of shows you know the other thing about people who used to tell me oh you're gonna run out of things to talk about i'm not gonna run out of stop motion programs to talk about <laughs> I, I like ivor wood has got ivor wood has like come up with millions of shows that i ain't even looked at or we're not even gonna we're probably gonna look at that later on like there's loads shut up um anyway yeah like i said this is the first french official french cartoon that we're doing i know we've got french listeners honestly y'all merci beaucoup from the the bottom of my heart for for listening and for persisting with me even though my french is just woeful at best and Reading some of these names I'm going to read in French, I know I'm going to mess it up. So, again, pardon, please forgive me, and yeah. Let's uh, let's kick things off with, yeah, Le Ménage Enchanté, or as it's known here, The Magic Roundabout. And this show first came out in October 1963. So, uh, some of the things happening in the world... On its third anniversary as an independent nation, Nigeria became a republic as Governor General Namadi Azikwe assumed office as the first president of Nigeria. British Prime Minister Harold Macmillan resigns and is replaced by Alec Douglas Home. South Africa begins the trial of Nelson Mandela and eight others on conspiracy. Tom Jones was in the cinemas. No, not that Tom Jones. This is a adaptation of Henry Fielding's 1749 novel The History of Tom Jones and Do You Love Me by Brian Poole and the Tremolos was number one in the charts Oof, that's a tough one, definitely not 
Well, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna expect you to know that one. So there you go. So yeah, we're talking about Le Manage Enchanté or the Magic Roundabout. So this was a popular French animated children's television series created by Serge Dano with the help of Ivor Wood and Wood's French wife Josanne. And it features characters in the make-believe land of Bois Jolie. The footage was used by the BBC to produce an English language version. Because I think initially they were sold this, oh look, we have Le Manage Enchanté, a cartoon. And they were like, oh, how terrible. They don't speak English. Right. We'll, we'll adapt it and we'll turn it into our own little thing. We can't have these. We can't have these horrible French names like Zebulon and Ambois. We have to have Zebedee and Ermintrude. They are very English names. And then, yeah, so BBC kind of took it on and said, yeah, we'll make our own little thing. And like I said, yeah, it bores little relation to the original storylines. And the programs were created by Stop Motion with puppets used for the characters. And the initial episodes were filmed in black and white. But then after Serge Dano's departure in 1967, a second series was produced in color and it had 100 episodes. And yeah, the like I said, the British BBC version was distinct from the French version in that the narration was entirely new. It was created by Eric Thompson from just the visuals and not based on the script. And yeah, the first broadcast was shown every weekday. So just before the early evening news at 5.55. So you used to come on at 5.50. It'd be like a little, like a little five-minute thing. Just show it here and there. And the first color episode was shown on the BBC in 1970. And part of the show's attraction was that it appealed to adults who enjoyed the world-weary Hancock-style comments made by Dougal, as well as to children. The audience measured 8 million at its peak, and there are speculations about possible interpretations of the show. One is that the characters represented French politicians of the time, and that Dougal represented Charles de Gaulle, who I believe was president of France in the 1960s. And yeah, it gained cult status among adults in the mid to late 60s because it was seen as having psychedelic connotations, especially with Dylan who was believed to be high on cannabis and Dougal was thought to be on LSD because of his fondness for sugar lumps, while Zebedee was so jumpy he was thought to be on amphetamines. I've heard all of these like stories about it being some druggy. It's thing. quite trippy, hippie, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, a little, a little background. So, Dougal, Brian, Ermintrude and Dylan or it should be Polo Brian in... I'll do that with the characters, never mind. So yeah, like I said, Dougal, Brian, Ermintrude and Dylan all reside in a place called the Magic Garden, or it's known as Beautywood. And the exact distance from where the roundabout and the Magic Garden are in relation to each other was never specifically stated. But given that Zabadee and Florence would always travel there by magical teleportation, it was either considerably far away or it was simply faster to get there by those means. Sometimes the series broke the fourth wall. So at the end of one episode, Zebedee called for his catchphrase, time for bed. And Florence would ask, already? And Zebedee replied that it's nearly time for the news. 
And as I've said before, it used to come on just before the news. So, <laughs> time for the 555 News on BBC. <laughs> time to go to bed while all the adults watch the, car- the news or whatever. So, it got shown all around the world. So, in, in Italy, it was broadcast first in 1970 by the Rai State Television Network. In Portugal, the series was known as Carousel Magico, and it aired first in 1966. In Germany and in Austria, it was translated to Das Zuber Carousel, and most of the characters were given different names. In the United States, the series was called The Magic Carousel and aired in the 1980s. And in the Netherlands, a Dutch version was aired, and it was called Die Mini Molen, which literally means the mini carousel and the show's theme which was super iconic by Alain Lengran was a cheerful organ tune and on the earliest episode during the black and white series it was played more slowly with a degree of sadness there were also two different additional theme songs for reruns of the French version the first C'est moi Polu was a moderately popular single in France while the theme from 1989 was an upbeat Hammond organ pop tune with children's vocals. And before I pass on to you, and uh, here are the characters. So I'm going to do it in French and then English. So pay attention. So Polo was the uh, the main character, the, the dog. Obviously, it's Dougal in English. The owner of the roundabout, Père Pivion, or Mr. Rusty. Zebulon, who was the jack-in-the-box or with magical powers, or in English, Zebedee. Azalie, in French, is the cow, and Ermintrude in English. Ambroisie was the snail, and in English it was Brian. Flappy, who was the Spanish rabbit, was Flappy in English as well. Margot was the uh, the girl, and it's Florence in English. And Jouvence Pio, a gardener who starts every sentence with hep, hep, hep. And it's Mr. McHenry in English. So the magic roundabout. Did you remember this as a kid? Did you never like watch it at all? No. So uh, I obviously I was completely aware of the magic roundabout. I think everybody is. Most of the characters and things like that. But I had never even watched an episode of it. Really? I'd seen the characters, like, um, here and there, you know, they pop up um, every now and then. But yeah, yeah. Ne- never never watched an episode. I- I'd heard about all of, like, the, you know, the kind of drug connotations and things like this as well. But yeah, never really watched an episode, which is why I was so horrified when I actually did watch an episode. Why were you horrified? Because Dougal is, an, is a horrible dog. So horrible. And then... But also, it's, it feels like a kind of like um, conser- conservative um, propaganda machine cartoon because they're talking about like uh, there's an episode of a train, and I won't go into it just yet. But the train did something that, that um, Ermintrude didn't like, and it was like, oh, no wonder you got nationalized and stuff like that, you know. Um, so it was kind. Of, it was really like I was a bit like, this is for kids, <laughs> really, like. Um, yeah. Well, in this country, kids and adults were watching it because they deliberately showed it at certain times. So they would show it just before the news. So you can imagine someone coming back from work and he's, you know, p- 
parked onto the sofa. He's thinking, oh, when the news coming on, you see this little cartoon. You're like, oh, okay, let me just watch it. It's only a couple of minutes. So you watch it and that's how it got. So basically that was like the Simpsons of its day then, because the Simpsons was always on before like the news and things like that. Right. Back in like, I'm talking about like when we were kids and stuff like that, when we were watching. I remember watching the Simpsons at six o'clock. So it used to come on in indirect competition with the news. Oh, really? So oh, yeah. Because it? it was on a BBC two, wasn't it? To start off with. Yeah. It used to be on the BBC and then it moved to channel four. Yeah. And he used to come on, uh, yeah, he used to come on uh, 6 o'clock. No, I remember watching this very well. I think what they did in the 90s, they kind of did a version of it. And I used to remember watching that a lot. Because he used to come on just before just before Sesame Street. So, like, if Sesame Street used to come on at 12, 1 o'clock, literally the magic roundabout would be, like, 12.55. Or he used to come on, like, if you're, if you're going to watch cartoons from 6 o'clock, Literally, the first thing that would come on would be the Magic Roundabout. See, I never watched any of that when it came out. I did watch, this time around, I watched a very new-looking um, remake. Um, so you watched the remake then? I think so, yeah. Um, it was very, like, very modern CGI, all this and that and the other. Um, With this cartoon, I remember watching it a lot as a kid. I'm not sure if I liked it as a kid. It used to just be one of those... Because it used to just be... It's on and then it's off again. Very short, very to the point. I'm not entirely sure what's going on half the time, but it's on. You watch it. What's done. the What's the roundabout got to do with it? By the way, I think the I, well, according to my notes, it was just a thing, wasn't it? It's just a garden roundabout for for all of them to go and play on. Okay, I was just wondering if I missed anything. But yeah, you were right going through the notes though. It is a carousel or um, a merry-go-round. It's not a roundabout. No. But I think maybe it translated literally as a carousel. But we don't we don't say carousel in this country, do we? Not anymore. I think it's a really old word. Um, well, carousel? Yeah, we, we it, I think it's a French word, right? But it um, but it does probably. We used to say it here with a big, do you know, back in the like kind of like I think Victorian times when they had like the the proper ones. But yeah, we call them merry-go-rounds. Yeah, so I can see why they would call it the magic roundabout here, whereas every other place in the world calls it magic carousel or carousel magico in Portuguese. I mean, so. The only way, the only real way we use carousel in the UK now is at the airport, I think. When the when the bags go around on that thing, I haven't heard the word carousel in this country for God knows how long. <laughs> it's definitely not one of those um, words or things that you. Um... It's not a common word. No, it's not. It's not. So uh, let's talk about episodes we watched, and let's try and break this thing down. Try and make it make sense. Oh God. Um. See, I don't know when my episodes were broadcast or what the name of the episode I, was. I actually don't either, but I can I, I can pretty much tell the ones I watched were from the 60s. I pre- I watched one from the 70s. Um, so do you want to go first? Um, yeah, so the one I watched was Dougal Film Director. I watched that one as well. Okay, so we can both talk about that together. Um, yeah, so it kind of starts with Dougal. Like, I want to make a film. I want to do this. I want to do that. 
And what he says is, I want to make Ben-Hur look like an advert for Turkish delight. <laughs> yeah. And did he say, did he say, at the beginning with the snail, Brian, he said, um, if you work for the union, I'd sack you. Straight yeah. away. Because <laughs> he was late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can... You can see that they're catering not just to kids. This is yeah, absolutely. But that's kids the thing, and adults. But it does feel like that's why I said like kind of feels a bit like propagandary because they're chucking in little digs at like things in society that they think are bad. Um, for example, you've got like the more conservative view about privatization of uh, public services, and then the more socialist kind of view where you know we want to nationalize things say we i just kind of made put myself in that little box but i mean i've talked like socialist socialist movement really nationalized trains and um things like that right and yeah basically uh brian the snail is carrying it on his uh the camera on his back and it looks like they're filming uh their version of treasure island in Dougal vision and he needs to find a star actress and so he finds margot or florence Dougal falls into a hole. I don't know, he gets the treasure thing out. He falls into the hole. And then he says, oh, sod filmmaking. I'm going to go to the pictures instead. God, even the, even the theme song is like a trip in itself. It is, yeah. Very weird and creepy kind of thing. That is like etched in my memory as a kid. Etched in my memory. Like if, if he just said, oh, Hey, what do you know about the round magic roundabout? I'll be like, <laughs> anyway, next episode. Um, right. So the next episode I watched of the old ones was the next episode on from this one. I think I'm sure we probably watched the same link. Yeah, it's all about uh, canes and sugar beet. He was growing sugar beet, wasn't he? Water canes, I wrote. Water- Oh, sugar canes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got like Margot and Zebulon or Zebedee. They they basically have a sugar cane, and Dougal thinks that they're stealing from him because he's planting them. Yeah, and they um they kind of just all they want to do is twirl the canes, like walking around twirling a cane kind of thing, right? Um, and then Dougal comes in. He says he's but he's really sarcastic here. They're like, "Oh, what are you doing, Dougal?" And he's like, oh, "I'm fishing." Like really sarcastic, like really like ah, oh, you like, um, and then uh, yeah. So they, they, he says he's watering his canes, and they're like, do you know when someone says like you know you say you go to the fridge and you've eaten ah, oh, it's a chocolate. I'll eat the chocolate, and then someone comes in and says, oh, have you seen my chocolate? And you've got like kind of bit of chocolate around your mouth. And you're like, no, no, I've not seen it. <laughs> um, so kind of a bit like that. And then Dougal he gets annoyed, and then I've I've written. Dougal is a expletive here because he was really horrible in this episode. Um, and then Flo and Flo Florence and Zebedee put their canes back in the floor. Ermintrude says she wants sugar carrots and sugar turnips. Um, and then that was the end of the episode for me. I bet huh? she does. <laughs> I don't blame him. They're stealing his water canes, aren't they? Or sugar canes. I don't blame Dougal or Polu for bre- for being like that. Even in even in the French version, he's British. Uh, really that yeah he's known as the british dog yeah so um, how do you right. say dog in french uh chien chien yeah le chien, chien. angleterre 
<laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> is the next one you watched about a bicycle? No, so bicycle I, I went to so the next episode I watched was 1970, and the one after that was the new one. So, all right, so I'll I'll, I'll just go on, and then yeah, so the episode I watched was called Bicycle, and so yeah, there's a bicycle race, and Ermintrude, Brian, and Dylan are taking part, and somehow, some way, Brian the snail ends up winning. I think Dougal was in the race as well, and he was very happy that Brian the snail won. So he's all like, how could this possibly even happen? What's going on? And, you know, being a being a being a sore loser about it all. And um, yeah, that was that episode. Gold was the next one I watched. So basically, Dougal is trying to look for gold with his gold detecting machine. So he's trying to like listen out for worms. And so he falls into an underground cave. And so I think Brian is like, oh, there might be snakes. And Dougal's like, what do you mean? I hate snakes. Get him. You know, I don't want to go in there. So he, he's like, oh, you go inside first. There's no snakes or snails or things of that nature. And yeah, I think that's how that one kind of ends abruptly. And uh, the last episode I watched was Baking a Pie. And so Florence or Marot is uh carrying a pie but it needs cooking and dougal has a stove and i don't know if this is i don't it it kind of made me think twice so he's like oh to florence oh you better be careful because you don't want it to look like a tart do you oh to uh florence and i'm like "Mm -hmm." bit of a dig there Red flag. I had to throw a, a red. I had to throw a you know NFL style penalty flag there, and I think um, I don't know who said it, but yeah, someone's like, "Oh, it's like how my mother always says, pies should never be fussed." Whatever the hell that means, and so it's in the stove. It's cooking, and Brian and Dylan they notice the pie. Dylan is tempted because he probably has the munchies, but then he ends up leaving. Ermintrude sees the pie and so it's like right I'm going to add something to it and then I'm going to leave then Dougal sees the pie and he's tempted and he decides to add something for luck and then by the time the pie is ready they're all like oh no the pastry's all messed up it's all tough and yeah sadly the pie didn't work out so if you want to talk about the last sort of 1970s you watched and then I'll talk a little bit about the 2007 reboot yeah cool so um this episode was uh so this was the first episode i watched and never seen magic roundabout before i so coming in kind of completely blind off this one so i just want to want you to bear that in mind so ermintrude decides that she's a bus she's getting on this little car thing and she's decided she's a buff and uh, on the bus and the train i didn't i don't know if it, what the train's called but the train gets in a huff. <laughs> Get it? Wait, <laughs> I uh, see what you did there. Um, the train gets in a huff about it, and um, and then that's when Ermitry goes, "No wonder you were nationalised." And um, and then she's kind of like going around, and they're kind of chasing each other around a little bit. And then right at the end, Ermitry um, goes, "This country's going to the dogs." And then and then the episode's finished. Um, so that was my nineteen seventies episode. Right, so like I said, it 
there was a 2007 reboot. So this was produced by Action Synthes Films Action, Elip Sanime and Play Production with the participation of M6, which I believe is a TV channel in France, Nickelodeon UK and Disney Television France. The scripts and voices produced in the UK and it was directed by Graham Ralph of Silver Fox Films and produced by Teresa Plummer Andrews. And it used the CGI design versions of the original characters from the 2005 movie. And the, the only new characters from the film are Mr. Grimsdale the Baker and Soldier Sam. And the series takes place after the events of the 2005 film of the same name. And the new series also created a few original characters of its own, such as Fly and Dougal's Auntie Primrose. Very English. And unlike the original series, every, se every episode will begin with Zebedee giving a brief summary to the audience of what will happen before the plot begins. And the episodes would also end with Zebedee throwing a party after the problem had been solved, with Dylan droopily remarking, I wish it was time for bed, man before drifting off to sleep. Now, talk about the episode you watch. I chose this one on purpose. It was called Dylan, uh, sorry, Dylan, Dougal the Helpful Helper, because I hated Dougal so much in the previous ones. I thought I'd try and give him some uh, redemption. First thing I noticed was this cartoon was way more kid-friendly, way more like, just like a cartoon. Do you know like a cartoon is supposed to be just a cartoon? This was like that. So it was just kind of like straight off the bat, nicer cartoon um, and i never choose cgi over stop motion um but this one was just like a more of a cartoon anyway so Dougal's dusting a house um and he's getting really fed up with it and uh he says he's finished because he and he wants a party um and uh florence says like look you've only been doing it for for three minutes he says okay i'll help and he and he dusts something up high but he falls over and makes a makes a mess worse than he was cleaning up um, so he gets the sack from Florence and he goes out to play and then she calls him and then he says, um, she says like, uh, something about him being six and he goes, he goes, I I'm not a six year old. He goes, well, actually I am six, but that's a lot older in dog years, which I thought was quite funny. Um, is that he kind of like, um, he decides that he's going to be helpful for the day because he's get he, he doesn't like the thought that he's not helpful. So he goes and asks Ermintrude if he can hang a washing out, but the washing blows away and gets caught in trees. She doesn't like it. So he goes to help Mr. Grimsdale and his job is to rearrange a fruit, but a fly comes in and goes in the shop and he tries to get the, the fly out of the shop, but he makes a mess. Meanwhile, Brian's sorting out stones into piles. Uh, Dougal helps, I think, is it Dylan the rabbit? right um with a varnish and dylan wants to sleep uh then it cuts back to Bri uh, to brian he's finished his stones and then it cuts back to dougal and he's varnished everything because before uh dylan falls asleep he says oh i want you to i only want you to varnish and then falls asleep and then so dougal just goes ahead and varnishes everything including dylan including his drink including like the floor the chair everything and so uh, uh so dylan's not very happy about that then cuts to Brian eating um, lettuce and reading a book in his house and Dougal sweeps away the stones that he's been sorting out all day and he sweeps them into a big pile. Um, and then he gets sad because Brian shouts at him and he's like, oh, I was only trying to help kind of thing. And then Zebedee and Florence see that and they kind of think, okay, well, let's try and make him feel helpful. 
and Zebedee cast a spell on, it was kind of like a Fantasia where they cast a spell on the, the sweeping brush and whatever. Uh, so they go mad and then he goes to save the day. So he goes and saves Flo from the rogue sweeping brush and whatever. Um, it was all kind of a setup, but it, they did it to make him feel good. And then they have a party. Never thought I'd see the day where you speak highly of CGI. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Um, but yeah, I was not a fan of the uh, stop motion. Not that I wasn't a fan of the stop motion animation, but just the actual So content. you weren't a fan of the stop motion magic roundabout, but you were a fan of the CGI? Yeah. yeah what yeah. is going on? <laughs> it's about the long and short. Damn. Damn. Man, that's that's that is that is shocking. So, um, let's say what do you have any final thoughts about the magic roundabout? Did you like this as as a product overall? Or no, I think that I will never watch the old one again, and I'll never watch the new one again. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that I've watched it because now I can, like, if it ever comes up in I, I culture, can't I'm, believe I'm in... you didn't watch it as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I knew that it was there. I mean, I we weren't old. We weren't old enough to remember when it was on the BBC in the sixties, seventies, and probably the eighties. But like on the, in the nineties in Channel Four, because like, I mean, I, I, you don't strike me now as a person who watched a lot of cartoons as a kid. Then I didn't watch. Definitely didn't watch Channel Four. But the thing is, in my school, there were people that were watching it i remember this guy nathan he was one of my friends that he used to watch it all the time and and i'm sure he used to talk as we had a teacher called mr dutton and he used to talk to him about the the characters because obviously they had kind of a crossover like you know the new kids watching it and then he's watched it when he was a kid or whatever but um so he watched it as a kid but i think i was more into like do you know like the x-men cartoons and like batman and and things like that so that 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 makes sense, but um, because yeah, like when Channel Four in the summer used to have like the block of TV programs for kids or whatever, like they would have it from like twelve until like maybe three, and then from three onwards it would be CBBC, CITV, blah blah blah. blah. So yeah, like so from morning until like early afternoon, it'd always be like Channel Four having something on, and then once it was like sort of two three o'clock. That was when Channel 4 would show things like, I don't know, 15 to 1 and Countdown and all those game shows, whereas um, CBBC and CITV would be on and then that would kind of take them off. And like it would just be like on just before Sesame Street. They'd be like, oh, before Sesame Street. So that used to just come on. So that's, yeah, that's that's how I kind of, remember it and um did hmm. you like it though did you like it as a reboot uh, not the reboot sorry i mean like w- revisiting it i don't know i mean i'm I, I feel as indifferent to it as a kid as i do now yeah yeah just one of those i mean one of these redeeming factor factors is it's five minutes long right so yeah <laughs> so if you're if you're watching a cartoon after it or even before it and you just happen to be sat down still i guess there's no skin off your nose really i mean yeah, like it's like you said. I mean, I felt really, really indifferent to it. I thought it was just there. I know it's very, very iconic, hence why it's a special, and it's French. So I had to kind of put it on a thing. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. It wasn't, 
it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't horrible or anything like that. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I had no idea that it was a French cartoon, so I'm glad that um, I've learned that today. Yeah, I mean, I when I was doing the research, I was very kind of surprised because obviously, because the the makers, whatever in England, were like, oh yeah, we we like it, but instead of having the French version, we're just gonna change everything and make. I think it it's like English. it's kind of like an institution, like an English institution. Though it feels like it's very English, like when you talk to people about it. Do you know what I mean? It's because they went out of their way to change it and to try and make it into a a very English product, but the original the where it comes from i don't think it kind of it should be forgotten about and it shouldn't be thought oh english english is it's a french cartoon was made by a french person it had french characters obviously they sold it to the world saying look this is magic round about what are you going to do le manager enchanté whatever it's called but yeah the 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 brits thought right we we don't want this we're gonna make it into our own thing and yeah they made their own thing and uh yeah it was it was fine and now we're going on to the head-to-head and i'm actually really looking forward to this head-to-head really looking forward to it and we're going to start with bertha lovely bertha and this uh, cartoon came out in April 1985. And some of the things happening in the world. Jack C. Bertram is the fifth to receive the Jarvik 7 permanent artificial heart. Wham! become the first Western pop group act to release an album in China. Coca-Cola announced it is changing its secret flavor formula. Ladyhawk was in the cinemas. And Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds was in the charts. All I think about is The Breakfast Club. Uh, I haven't seen that when for I... so long. Such a good film. I love The Breakfast Club. Absolutely love that, that film. That is a proper cult classic film. It's a brilliant film. And this song, it just, remind, it just reminds me of, uh, of that film. So now we're going on to Bertha. I'm just going to say this out of the gate. I love the theme song so much. I think it was very, very nearly good. But it's like, it's the jingle kind of like, it's not quite there, but it's still quite good. What do you mean it's not quite there? How, why is it very nearly good? What's missing? I feel like it, the melody needed to kind of go on a bit more. But the kind of melody kind of goes and then stops and then goes again. What are you talking about? It's, I mean, maybe I've listened to the full version. I mean, yeah, I know I listened to it all, but I mean, how many... There's a full version. How long is the full version? Two minutes. I was going to say, because the the intro to the actual cartoon is long enough. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to get that out of the way. So yeah, this is a British stop-motion animated children's TV series about a factory machine of that name. And all the characters were designed by Ivor Wood, again. And the series were produced by his company, Woodland Animations, again. And yeah, it was first originally broadcast on BBC. And there was a series of six storybooks that were based on Bertha, published by Andre Dutch at the same time as the series was broadcast. 
and they were adapted by Eric Charles and illustrated by Steve Ogard, who was also responsible for the artwork and music in the children's series Bump. And the series is set in, in, a, in an industrial estate occupied by the Spottiswood and Company factory, which is a small manufacturing plant producing a wide range of goods ranging from cuckoo clocks to windmill money boxes. Each episode focuses on a machine called Bertha that can produce any item requested of her. In each episode, the factory experiences a crisis affecting its daily production schedule, which Bertha invariably solves with the help of her factory worker friends. And yeah, Woodland Animations, some of which shows include Postman Pat, Charlie Chalk and Gran. And episodes were written by Eric Charles and Stephen Flewers and designed, produced, directed by Ivor Wood. Roy Kinnear and Sheila Walker voiced the characters and Kinnear narrated. The main title music is the singing of Guy Fletcher and the songs Tracy's Robot Song, Mrs. Tup and Isn't It Nice from the Bertha 12-inch vinyl record features the vocals of Stephanie De Sykes. There is an entire album of wow. and soundtracks from Bertha, which Incredible. I want to get my hands on. I mean, some <laughs> of the songs are, are on YouTube and they are just, it's so lovely. Like obviously Bertha, the full theme song. You've got Mr. Duncan, the flying bear, packing and stacking, Mrs. Tup, Tracy's robot song. Roy the Apprentice. I love Roy. I think he's great. The young apprentice Roy joined the factory as a boy. I was going to say the goods manufactured by Bertha throughout the series include windmill-shaped money boxes, garden gnomes, beach balls, nuts and bolts, 365 springs, inflatable plastic bears, bathroom sponges, cuckoo clocks, humming tops, jack-in-the-boxes, jigsaw puzzles, watering cans, building blocks, electric kangaroos, and Tom, or talk-operated machine. And uh, before I pass on to you, the characters, again, pay attention. Mr. Willmake, who is the manager of the factory. Mrs. McClackety, who is Mr. Willmake's secretary. Mr. Sprott, who's the chief designer. Tracy James, who's Mr. Sprott's assistant. Mr. Duncan, who's the works foreman, and he's the antagonist in the story sometimes. And he thinks that Bertha is an insufficient or inefficient old machine. There's Roy, who is the assistant machine operator and the apprentice. And Mrs. Tup, the tea lady. Oh, I like her as well. Panjeet Singh, who is the forklift, forklift, forklift truck operator. I was so excited about Panjeet. I got my lines all wrong. Nell, who's the packer. And Flo, who's the stacker. And you got Tom the talk-operated machine, who is a robot that resembles R2-D2, designed by Tracy and built by Bertha to perform odd jobs around the factory. And according to the song Tom the Robot, he is said to be Bertha's robot son. And of course, you've got Bertha, who is a... Yeah, so Bertha is an old machine at the factory who has been modernized over the 50 years she has worked at the factory. And she helps the rest of the Spottiswood and Company Factory during each episode in some way or another. Talk about Bertha. Right, so do you know how Top Gun, right, was a 
enormous Navy recruitment drive back in the day, right? They had like Navy sign-up centers outside theaters and this and that and the other. This is like a factory in recruitment drive. Um, and here's why. So it doesn't just show the people working in a factory, packing boxes and stacking and whatever. It shows the people running it. It shows the tea lady. It shows the designers, the programmers, everything. It's like every and it's like everyone can aspire to work in a factory, no matter what your educational level. Yeah, um, and it was diverse I, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, as diverse as it probably got back in the day. As diverse as it's gonna be in '85. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was it Panj? They called Panjit. Yeah. Um, Panjit Singh. And he's not. He doesn't have to wear a hard hat because. Because of his turban, they're 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 excused that of uh, uh, excused from the law, even with crash helmets and stuff like that. Uh, well, so one thing I noticed, and I didn't know before I watched it because I never heard of this show again. I don't think I've ever heard of any of the ones we've done, to be honest. Um, but I thought I was like, oh, they look like Postman Pat models, and I think that they were recycled Postman Pat models. Oh, here we go again. Here no, we no, go. No. This is thing, but I was. It wasn't a criticism. I was like, I, it's either either been made by the same people, or it's the same models at least. And I was like, it's very familiar. Um, no criticism, just just saying. Um, um, and I did wonder, and I was going to ask you, who did Panjit's accent? Was it one of the? Um, it was probably was Roy it? Kinnear, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like they were, they were there for the representation, but damn it, it's not sound. It was that. It was y'all were so close. Y'all were so close, and then, uh, I mean, I know a couple of weeks ago I said that there was no excuse, and yeah, I still I still stand by that, but. The BBC are still fumbling the ball when it comes to this. If you don't know about um, Famalam, which is a BBC Three sketch that they just released, and it's so offensive and so cringe, and it's almost diplomatic incident. Because I think uh, from the High Commission in Jamaica is like writing to Ofcom and complaining about it. So, like, yeah, in 2020, the BBC are still fumbling the ball so am i going to expect them to get right in 1985 hell no they probably just took it along and thought oh look a brown guy send him in <laughs> let's, let's get it on the show who cares he can have a a, 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 a a funny accent never mind but what i'm gonna say was as a kid i only knew the theme song that's all i knew I, i'd heard of bertha it used to come on, but I never used to watch it. And when I listened to the full version of the theme song, because I listened to that before I watched the show, and I just thought, please be good. Please be good. Please be as good as the theme song. I've never willed a TV, a cartoon, to be as good as this. And when I watched it, it lived up to the hype of like the theme song i loved bertha i think you made a brilliant point about how they showed every facet of a factory from the high up to mr will make all the way down to mrs tup the tea lady 
It seems like a really fun place to work. I want to work at Spottiswood and Co. You know, if this was a propaganda thing, then <laughs> y'all got me. Damn. Where's the where's where's the next factory? I'm signing up. I would have gone there and signed up. It's I just loved it so much. Like it was so and it and it felt like everybody was involved. Everybody had a storyline. It wasn't just focused on one particular person and how they resolve it. There's all like mini layers of stories and they all kind of come together. The music is amazing, as I've said before. I'm gonna like play it throughout. I don't care if they sue me. I don't care if YouTube bug out. I'm playing these songs, damn it. And it wasn't like one of those where, you know, when you know when some shows go into a musical interlude, and you're like, oh my god, why are you singing? We get it. You're going outside. We get it. Like Barney, like the musical interludes in Barney, Barney should get on my nerves. But this one. I could just sit down, had a smile on my face and listen to the musical interludes like the Mrs. Tupps one about her being the tea nurse. Oh, that just got me right in the feels, man. Musical interludes like do on 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 the whole really aggravate me. Um, but yeah, like you said, this was like um, it was kind of a pleasant thing as well it wasn't even just like a thing it was like really pleasantly put in one of the things that i did like was that it was they very rarely cut the camera so like as in like as in like from scene to scene so what they would do is like move the camera up to like the supervisor's office who was above the factory floor and then move the camera up and i kind of really like that to show everything's kind of connected um one thing just quickly was that i did notice it was kind of a very serious cartoon though Everything was kind of very serious business um, for a kid's cartoon. But it, it, not, it was like serious, but for kids, but not in a condescending way. It was like, this is like serious business cartoons. So like, mum, can you like... But if you think about that, right, this is what, 1985? So you can imagine if it was CBBC, they'd be watching Grange Hill, for instance, right? And we all know Grange Hill in the 80s, and they they never used to play. They don't play. Like, they had Zamo on hard drugs. They had people falling off, falling off buildings and dying. So, like, I think the standard of children's programming was a lot more serious back then as it may be now. It's like you said, yeah, it's a very serious cartoon. It's it's literally like, if you can imagine what it's like working in a lot of factories across the country, it might just be like that. So you'll have two women, Nell and Flo, who are packing and stacking, and they're like the best of friends, and they have a natter. You got like the young apprentice Roy, who's like friendly with everybody. You got like Tracy, who's like the bubbly assistant. You got Mr. Willmake, who's the typical boss who's upstairs in his office. And then you got Mr. Duncan, who's like the the foreman downstairs, and he's, you know, like the jobs worth of the of the piece. And it's you can imagine it'd be like how it is working in an everyday factory, and you're like exploring all the different layers of characters and all the different components that make the factory running, whether it's yeah, like I said the boss, whether it's the tea lady, whether it's Bertha. So in that sense, I, I, oh man, this is, I'm so happy that something can live up to the hype 
And I could have easily watched all 13 of the episodes. There was only 13 episodes. This is another another talking point. Like, they should have had more. I feel like it deserved more. I only watched three episodes, right? But I I enjoyed every single yeah, one. Yeah, I watched episodes. five and I loved um, all of them. And yeah, they they because I think part of it is stop motion is very time consuming, and it, you can like I can imagine them thinking if it's not gonna bang like a postman Pat like a fireman Sam because they out the gate they they banged like they were like boom Noddy was iconic from time ago. So people were going to invest time and money. And I can see the BBC or anybody looking at Bertha thinking, yeah, this is nice, but mm, like, are we going to spend more time, more money into making another series or even like contemplating a run? This is it was one of those things, but it's such a shame that they only had 13 episodes because they they could have told more stories, I feel. Way more stories, and they could have moved it on, but yeah, alas, there was only 13 episodes, and uh yeah, let's talk about the ones that we watched. Um, so I think I'm pretty confident in saying we both watched episode one, the painting yep, job. The great the paint painting job. job, and they yep. were making jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, I mean, it's um, they put they're putting pictures in. Jigsaw's come out. Um, Bertha breaks then, it up. Um, Roy checks it. Nell stacks. Flow packs. Yeah, I loved that little bit. I didn't write that down. I I thought I had to write that down because it's such a, it's it's a nice organized way of just doing it. It's got a nice flow to it. Uh, so they notice that there's a piece. Who notices? I've forgotten who noticed that the piece was missing. I think it might have been Roy, because it comes out of the machine, looks up. He's like, oh, there's a piece of the tree missing or and then they, yeah they realize eventually that um there must be a piece missing from every single puzzle so um they have to go through and do all the puzzles um and then meanwhile the off they're covering up all, all the things in the office with dust sheets and saying like, um and then the phone rings but it's un- <laughs> underneath one of the dust sheets so um um, so uh, Mr. Willmake and Mrs. McClackety were uh, looking for it under the dust sheets and stuff like that. Um, turns out the decorators have cancelled and um, then it goes back to the factory floor. Mr. Duncan um, thinks they're all having a laugh and he kind of like tells them off and tell and says, why don't you get Bertha to check the puzzles and fix it? Because they're all kind of just doing sat there doing the puzzles when he comes around. Then it goes back to the design room and mr sprott is designing uh, a machine um and oh, when he's doing it it's a felt tips noise what is so when he's like so when he's drawing the designs of the piece that he's doing he's and i was like <laughs> i sat with goosebumps it's like <laughs> like a, so i didn't like that bit and then there's a musical interlude there where tracy designs tom talk operating machine t-o-m oh it's such a it's such a catchy it's a bop it's such a bop yeah i did like that bit um and then the paint machine that mrs sprott makes uh goes goes wrong and starts like going crazy painting everything and then 
um, Tracy makes Tom, um, and you get introduced to Tom at the very end of the episode. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered episode one. So yeah, if you want to talk about episode two. So episode two, you've mentioned these earlier, was windmills. Um, and Bertha made a windmill money box. Uh, and everyone puts some money in, but they can't get it out. Um, and Flo comes in and she's late for work and because she's lost her purse, which I thought was really interesting because now, like, if you or I lost our wallets, it would be super annoying, devastating or whatever, lost, losing your wallet. But... We wouldn't lose our money necessarily. I don't know about you, but I don't carry that much cash. Um, and I thought if you lost your purse back in the day, it's a lot more devastating than it is now because you lose all your money that's in it. Um, but anyway, bye bye. Mr. Sprott was making a new money box, but it breaks. Um, money box can only open. And everyone's saying, oh, where's the key? Where's the key? Bertha's not spat the keys out or whatever. And he says, no, what it is is when um when the money box is full the blades of the windmill turn backwards and it spits all the money back out um and then everyone's all like oh let's put some more money in it was like i haven't got any more money i put it all in the box already um and then um panjit comes round in his forklift and he puts some money in all the money comes out and they give it to florence because she lost all of her money um, and they said how are you supposed to know that and there was like well the instructions are on the box and it was kind of like a should always read the instructions kind of bit. Uh, episode three, should I go on to episode three? Yeah, because I watched episode four. Lovely. So uh, this was called Mouse in the Works. And Bertha's making jack-in-the-boxes. Roy checks, nail packs, flow stacks. And the jack-in-the-box comes in. Panjit comes and gets a pallet to take him away. And when he goes to the um, to the, to the uh, dispatch room, all of the boxes got holes in. And, he, and he's like, he goes against Mr. Duncan. Um, who's having tea from the trolley, which is quite cool. And then I really like that he's just sat on some boxes in the corner sipping his tea later on. I really enjoyed that. Uh, meanwhile, the jack in the box has come out of the jack in the, uh, out, the jack has come out of the box and it's kind of boing in everywhere. And so they say, Mr. Duncan says there's not enough glue. So they, um, so he goes and gets some glue. Roy goes and gets some glue from the other bit. And that's when they, um, he talks to uh, Panji about the mouse. He goes to speak to Mr. Willmake about it. And so he tells Mr. Duncan who tells Mr. Willmake, Willmake. And Mr. Sprott is told to design a mousetrap. He designs one. He designs one that when the mouse goes up the steps, he goes past a, past this pressure point and, and a cat meows. And he's supposed to, the mouse is supposed to run in the house to hide. And then the door shuts behind the mouse and it catches the mouse. Um, and then... When they put it on the factory floor, the mouse goes up to it. It presses the cat noise thing, and then he runs the other way, so he just runs off. Um, so then they give it to Bertha to make, and she just makes a mouse bed. And they're like, "Oh, look, he only wanted a mouse bed." Uh, and then, um, and then Florence takes the mouse home as a pet for her boy, and that's the end of that episode. Okay, so I watched episode four, which is the best machine competition. And yeah, so Roy and Tom are struggling to keep up with Bertha because she's she's on a mad one and she's like making all of these like humming tops and Roy's like found a really cool way to just like spin it and then it can just fly straight off to Nell and Flo so that they can pack it. And so he's doing all of that and then he finds that there's one that that doesn't seem to be working properly. 
And so he takes one of them. He like he takes one of the ones that isn't working properly. Like Ted ends up making adjustments to his Bertha. Mister Duncan walks in and he's not like impressed that the humming tops are still spinning. He's like, "Oh, what's wrong with with Bertha? How come the humming tops are still spinning? What's up with that?" And so Mister Sprott has to go and see Mister Willmake. And Mr. Willmake is asking him to create a really, really cool toy that they can win in a competition. And everyone is thinking, oh, let Bertha make it. But then Mr. Duncan is like, nope, I've got a, a new machine to come through. And it's a super bumper impressor machine. And Mrs. Tup is like bringing the tea. But everyone's all going to see this new machine. And... Yeah, so the machine is trying to make a toy, but it doesn't really work out. So they go back to Bertha, and then Bertha ends up making a pretty cool toy. Episode 7, the T-Nurse. So they're making watering cans, and Roy is checking it before passing it on to Nell and Flo so that they can uh, stack it up. Bertha stops all of a sudden because apparently she's been making watering cans for three days and they find out that the lever is broken so they have to try and uh, sort that out and that's why Bertha keeps switching off Nell cuts her finger on a sharp edge of a box and so they try and get a letter off to Tom and Tom has to pass a note to Mrs. Tup so she can bring the first aid kit and Mrs. Sprott is making something in the kitchen. And there's again, this is a really lovely song about Mrs. Tup making the tea. And, you know, she's now the, the tea nurse because she manages to fix up Nell's cut finger. And then everyone's thinking, damn, like, how old is Bertha? Because we've had her for long, but nobody knows. And. We've just modernized her so that she can keep up with the times. And so she has the tape and she puts the tape around Bertha so that the le so that the lever can work again. And yeah, so I wrote Tea Lady song, brilliant. And yeah, she manages to fix Bertha. And episode 11, Bertha's birthday party. And so they're making cuckoo clocks and they're, everyone's figuring out about cuckoo clocks. So someone, they asked a really good question. Why are, clock, why are hands on a clock called hands? Yeah, I think that, that was one of them was saying that they point to things and so on and so forth. And they're having a really interesting conversation. And you know, with a cuckoo clock, I never realized how, like, you know, for example, if it's like five o'clock on the hour, it will go cuckoo, 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 five times. And so when it's six o'clock, cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. I didn't know that. What about when it's 12 o'clock? You better hope your ass is awake and not asleep. Otherwise, it's going to wake everyone up. But normally the cuckoo clock would be in the living room, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be in your bedroom. And so Mr. Sprott is like, right, I'm going to make a, a clock as a, an alternative. And he's thinking, oh, I'm going to make a clock that uses water. But it doesn't really work out too well because obviously water and then it kind of ruins the thing. So Tom, the machine, he likes one of the cuckoo clock and he's literally waiting 
for the time to come out and he just basically grabs it and breaks one of the cuckoo clocks and so they had to like try and send it back and fix it mrs mccrackety then realizes that it's bertha's birthday and it's 50 years to the day she came to the factory and mr Woolmake's like you know what let's uh have a party for bertha and she can not work for the day so Mrs. Tup is making a cake and everyone is in really early the next day for the party. Everybody's wishing Bertha a happy birthday. And Tom brings in a Bertha cake and they have a good time celebrating Bertha's birthday. The finale, Tom's new friend. So they're making sponges. And yeah, so Bertha's supposed to be making sponges, but she's taking her time. Nell says it's way too small. So Tom is like, right, let's give Bertha more air. And so she makes a massive sponge because she has way too much air. And so they bump into Panjit. And so, yeah, so they're like to Panjit, right, look, you got your forklift. Take this big sponge and get it out of the way. And Mr. Duncan brings a automatic vending machine that will end up improving productivity because instead of like hanging around for Mrs. Tup and tea, you just press a button on the machine and yeah, it will make the, the tea. And so Mrs. Tup is like, whoa, what's going on? Like, what's this robot? Is it going to kick me out of a job? Like, what's going on? And Roy and Panji are like, you know what? We prefer Mrs. Tup. Like, we don't really want no machine. And so... What happens is, yeah, Mrs. Tup goes to Mr. Wilmake to complain about the machine. And Tom likes the machine and he's like trying to like play about with the buttons. But then he ends up mangling the machine and breaking it. Whether whether or not he did it on purpose, we all know. We all know. And yeah, so Mr. Sprott tries to fix the tea machine. And then Tom cleans up using the big sponge that Bertha makes and so they all agree that we'll only use the machine when Mrs. Tup is absent and we're going to still have Mrs. Tup making the teas and yeah that was Bertha I I love Mrs. Tup everyone should every place should have a tea lady the tea man or tea man of course of course but someone someone to just bring the teas in you know what I mean I, I, I did kind of make a note of that actually that it was very endearing to have like a tea trolley and a tea tea lady, and it's like do you know like when you're a kid and like, you know had the dinner ladies and the dinner ladies. I don't sure about where you were, but they were like the nicest people. In the yeah, world. we had one in our school that used to call all the boys Fred and used to call all the girls Polly. She'd be like, "Right, Fred, come here now. Polly, you come over here." Yeah, I, th- I think there's if. You always had one, at least one dinner lady that was like the nicest lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, having having someone to make the teas is very, very important. And I, yeah, I I love this cartoon with with every fibre of my being. And I'm so glad that it matched the brilliant soundtrack that it had. And it kind of reflected on to what they were doing. And... Yeah, it was it was it was it was so good to watch. And like I said, I'm gonna have all the music of Bertha playing throughout so you can enjoy the wonders of Bertha 
like Roy the Apprentice. That's such a nice song about Roy, and it kind of made me endear to him even more because I listen to the song and then I'm seeing Roy, and I'm like, oh, I really like Roy. Like he's, I think he has. I think as the lyrics of the song go, that he maybe wants to be in charge of the factory when he grows up. Yeah, really, really lovely, and um, yeah, I ain't got, I ain't got much else to say. No, it was one of these things again, and it's time and time again where you discover something like magnificent, and this was definitely up there. I really enjoyed this cartoon. Um, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about it at all. Yeah, me too. Right now we're going on to Pingu, and so this came out first in May 1986, and some of the things happening in the world. Somali president Siad Bar is injured in a car accident in Mogadishu and is taken to Saudi Arabia for treatment. Somali opposition groups see this as an opportunity to try and remove Bar, beginning the Somali civil war. Oh, wow. So that's how it all began, huh? The Netherlands Institute for War Documentation publishes Anne Frank's complete diary. Margaret Thatcher becomes the first British prime minister to visit Israel. Top Gun was in the cinemas and the chicken song by Spitting Image was number one in the charts. So yeah, Pingu is a claymation children's television series which centers on a family of anthropomorphic penguins who live at the South Pole and the main character is the family's son and title character Pingu. And Pingu was very popular due to its lack of real spoken language Nearly all dialogue is in an invented Gramolot penguin language referred to as Penguinese, consisting of babbling, muttering, and the titular character's characteristic sporadic loud honking noise, which can be recognized as no, no. I maybe I should speak in Pingu language. I can't even read this anymore. Or other variants. So it can be no, no, or no, no. Theoretically, It's known, like I said, as Gramolot, which is a technique that has been used in theatre and Commedia dell'arte for hundreds of years. It's designed to sound like a real language and the audience can sort of guess what it means, but it's basically gibberish. Within the first four series, all characters were performed by Italian voice actor Carlo Bonomi using a language of noises that he had already developed and used a for the earlier Oswaldo Cavendoli's La Linea. In series five and six, the Pingu cast were jointly voiced by David Sant and Marcello Magni. Common Sense Media rated the show four out of five stars, stating that parents need to know that this claymation series is funny, endearing, and entertaining. And although the series is appropriate for all ages, the plots might be difficult for the youngest viewers to follow. There were some a uh, couple of interesting articles about penguins. So there was the March of the Pingu that was written in Slate by Dana Stevens. When will America embrace the most popular penguin in the world? And what she said was, and I quote, if I'd seen this episode as a child, it might have scared the pants off me, but its magical mood would have stuck with me for the rest of my life. As soon as I'm sure she's ready for it, I can't wait to blow my little one's mind. I think you might uh, relate to that, no? Yeah, my son has been watching Pingu with me. He can say Pingu 
and he sits there and he watches it and he, he laughs at it. So like, this is um, we found yeah. something for him. Yeah, <laughs> he loves Pingu. And in the Guardian, how we made Pingu. So this was written by Andrew Dixon and Ben Bumo Thomas. And so they interviewed Steve Cox, who was an animator, and they interviewed David Sant. And what they both said was, we did about 17 characters from Pingu's baby sister, Pinga, to Robbie the Seal and the rest of the family. We made up about 95% of the words on the day, though some would recur. Toy became something like Telly Belly. I think and drink was Kyo Chilani. And yeah, Steve Cox said, we didn't get royalties, just a day rate. We didn't know anything about that side of the business. We were just guys who did physical theater. If we had, we'd be millionaires by now. Some parents didn't like Pingu because he was too naughty and they didn't want their kids to copy him. Others weren't keen on the gobbledygook since their kids weren't learning anything. But I think it transcends all that. There's no childish narration over the top, no patronizing moral, just naughty characters, and people loved that. And for our passing to you, you had Pingu, who's the main character of the series, typically typically playful and sometimes naughty. Pinga, Pingu's little sister, she's happy and playful, but very sensitive and clever, and is often a target for Pingu's practical jokes. Mother and father. Father, who's a postman who uses a non-smoking pipe in the early episodes, but quits later. I love that. Development in characters. Love that. He's short-tempered, but a loving penguin and has a motorized sledge or a snowmobile that can deliver the mail. And he sometimes gets help from Pingu. And mother is a caring, loving and hardworking housewife who spends most of her time cooking and cleaning. And... You had Robbie the Seal, who's Pingu's best friend, who's friendly and playful and cheeky. And Pingo, who's a somewhat foolhardy penguin who often persuades Pingu to do wild and silly things with him. Pingu. Isn't this just the sweetest, most loveliest cartoon you've ever seen? Yes and no. I loved everything about Pingu and like Pingu like getting into trouble doing naughty things just made me laugh i love it it was it was incredible and like he's like playing with his mate i, I saw the episode where they uh where he meets robbie the seal and um that is, oh, is, yeah everything about it i love it and even when like you were talking about it and doing the notes i was smiling like uh you know it's nice to learn a little bit more about the, um these characters and things yeah okay so the good about paying Pingu. Don't ruin it for me, though. It was hilarious. Some of the episodes I watched, I was, like, laughing out loud, like, belly laughing. Yeah, Pingu, he's a banter merchant. He's one of the lads. However, he was petulant. He was annoying. He wouldn't do as he's told. He was just irritating. It kind of got him, got him. It kind of like, yeah, got on my nerves a little bit. I mean, I, I find that the stuff when he's a little bit naughty, I've just found that like, even more funny. Like, and when he like he he does, he makes up things to get his own way. I saw one where he gets in a cot because his um, little sister's getting more attention than him. Um, ah, oh, yeah, it is, it's great fun. 
And he doesn't eat his greens like a normal kid as well. Yeah, that was annoying as well. Like, eat your damn food. Like, I love that's how the dad, I'm translating, that's what he's saying. You better eat your damn food, boy. He shoves it in his mouth. It's like, <laughs> there you go. And, and Pingu, the cheeky little sod, goes to the toilet and flushes it down. I did like that. Um, right, let's, yeah, all right, let's go into episodes then. So the first episode was Hello Pingu, or Pingu is introduced. I have no idea what episodes they're called or what order they're in. I can just tell you what happened in them. Right, well, if I kind of set it up. So, yeah, they're, they're having dinner and or they're having lunch. And Pingu doesn't want to eat his uh, seaweed. And so the dad's basically like, yeah, you better eat your damn seaweed if you want to go outside. And so he just, yeah, shovels it in his mouth. He's all like, you know, covering his mouth, going to the toilet. Spits it out, flushes it, goes out and plays. And then Pingo and another penguin are basically nicking his uh, nicking his ball. And Pingu runs home crying like a little baby. Oh, yeah, he's such a mummy's boy. But the bullies pop the ball, don't they? And he runs home and he's like, Mama, Mama, Mommy, Mommy. And he's all like crying. And I'm like... See, I I really like this moment. Well, you're a parent, aren't you? So I think I think we're gonna have different views on this. I like that he goes to his mum for comfort because he's sad about something, and then mean and he's got a bump on his head, right? And his mum puts the plaster on his head, and then meanwhile his dad's putting a plaster on the ball. Like his dad's fixing the problem. His mum's comforting him. I really like that moment. Well, that's because you're a family man, aren't you? So it's 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 gonna hit different for you than it's gonna be for me. Whereas you, you're the parent, you can see, you know, if a child is upset and then you're going to, you're going to try and fix the problem and you're going to try and, 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 and make the world a better place. And then, yeah, so he fixes the ball and that's how it ends. Pingu, Pingo and Ping are the two uh, thieving gits who uh, stole the ball. Nick thing. Um... One of the ones I watched was the Robbie one where it's where where Pingu goes fishing. Um and this episode where Pingu's fishing in an ice hole and there's one behind him and every time he gets a fish out, um so he fishes a fish out and and, and then Robbie comes up and uh, goes underneath the the ice and was tugging on the, the um the fishing rod and then puts the fish that he's already caught on the end of the fishing rod. And then so um, Pingu thinks he's, he's reeling in loads of fish, but it's the same fish every time. Um, then they have a kind of like to and fro and a bit of a fight. And then they end up being friends um, because Pingu closes up the holes back to the ice. And then um, Robbie gets sad and he um, Pingu fixes it. Everything's fine. And then, and then uh, Robbie goes in and gets him a big, big fish. And then he goes home with it. Um, I was going to say, before I... they went fishing, Pingu has to look after an egg. And this episode was so funny because he's listening to a song on the headphone thing. It's a real song! Woodpeckers from Space by the Video Kids. Got it on in the background. It's such a catchy song. It's a bop. And he's just basically... He does what everybody does when they when they when there's a little chance that they might be home alone. He just goes, whacks on a bit of music. You know what I mean? Like he's home alone. He's 
bopping to this song and the egg is going all over the place and the egg is causing havoc. I love that the egg's naughty. Yeah. Yeah, because I have a little because dad is like, right, I'm off. And then the mum is like, I'm off as well. But instead they all they're doing is just doing a bit of um yeah, they they're basically putting some clothes up. And then they come back to the house being in a right state and Pingu's hiding. Because I think what he's trying to say was, A, the egg got out of control. Okay, it's it, it, me. Yeah, it's, it's the egg fault. The egg did this. All right, it's, it's, it's the, all the egg. And so they put the house back together. It's a really, really fun episode. Is this the episode where the egg catches? That's the next episode, The New Arrival. Because obviously um, Pingu's confused because the kettle starts to hiss. The phone is ringing. And he's like, like, he's like, what the heck is going on here? That broke my heart, that bit. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what to do and he just sits down and cries. Yeah, and so, yeah, so the beak is like biting uh, the dad in the butt. And so they're thinking, right, we've got to call the doctor. We, we're not really sure what's going on. I think I think because it didn't hatch properly. And so the doctor has to like try and do it really slowly with the uh, spoon or whatever. Pingu's trying to see what's going on. And they're all like, shoo. See, this is where I found him really annoying. If, 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 if I don't told you go away once, I don't want to tell you again. You know what I mean? If I said it once, I don't want to say it again. Go. So he's trying to find out what's going on. The mum is really worried. And the dad's going, blah, 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 shh. Blah, 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 Like, you better shut your penguin ass up while your brother or sister's trying to hatch. And then, yeah, so the doctor manages to break the egg gently. And Pinga is born. I watched an episode where um, Pingu's acting like a baby. Did you watch that Is one? it Jealousy? I think so, yeah. So this episode was so sad and like... No, it wasn't. Oh. It was so Pingu, like, he's playing with his blocks and he's getting annoyed because it keeps falling down. Petulant? Yeah, and he wants to go to his mum and have a cuddle, but she's she's knitting. She's just put the baby to sleep and she's knitting. Um, and then he goes and wakes a baby up and then she picks a baby, her mum picks a baby up and feeds the baby. And meanwhile, he gets in the cot and starts like crying and pretending he's a baby. Um, and she's like, no, don't, don't be silly. And then she kind of just keeps turning back. And he's basically attention seeking the whole episode. And she, mum doesn't want to know. In the end, he gets like defeated. And this is like the sad bit when he's like, he's walking back and he just gets in his toy box and closes the lid. I don't think he got around to closing the lid, did he? He was sat there with, with the lid closed in the toy box and the mum comes and opens it up and then gives him a cuddle. I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. Um, yeah, that was the episode. I've watched one more about him having a playtime with sit with his mate, Robbie. So the last one I watched was, um, I didn't write notes for this episode, but I just trying to remember. So basically, this was just a shenanigans episode, no real plot. They just go to, um, they Robbie and him just go out on a sled and they're playing with each other. Like um, they're pushing each other on the sled and stuff like that. Then they have a snowball fight. Uh, and then um, Pinku makes like a little fake penguin head. And then like Robbie thinks he's knocked it off. And then um, he goes and sees 
Robbie goes and checks the, the head that he thinks he's knocked off of Pingu, and then Pingu's hidden the barrel and he throws snowballs at him. They have a bit of a snowball fight, and that's about it. Cool. So I watched a uh, controversial episode. This one's called Pingu Runs Away. So this was, I think, taken off television because it was deemed to be too upsetting. And so in this episode, they're having dinner, but Pingu's got the hump about something. And it's probably because he has to eat spinach. And so he's all like, just he's just acting up. He's acting the fool. Like he's just being really belligerent. And so the mum is trying to give him potatoes, but he ends up spitting it back in her face. I was like, oh, I'm watching that. And, and then he's all like, nyap, 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 nyap. and then he ends up knocking the whole dinner table with everyone's food and plates or whatever. And they're all shouting at him going, blah, 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 and then he gets a spanking from his mum. And he's all like, oh. It hurts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And basically, the dad doesn't want to know. He's just basically like, just get out of my face before I do something. Like, yeah, you better get out of my face. And so Pingu leaves. And then he's all like, right, I'm going to run away. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. So he's basically wandering off in the middle of the night. And it's uh, no place for a penguin. Everything is super scary as it is in the dark. He sees like a, a big snowball. It looks like a three-headed dog. And he's all like all scared. And so he ends up like hiding behind the little thing. And so he's basically like, oh my God, I'm scared. I'm alone. And then his uh, mom and dad come out to look for him in his motorized sledge. They're calling out for Pingu. They're like, Pingu, Pingu, and he so he hears it. And so, yeah, he manages to um, find Pingu, and then he um, makes up with Pingu, and they all live happily ever after, and they're having some hot soup because he was obviously out in the cold for too long. Now, I loved this episode. The last episode I watched was Pingu's Admirer or Pingu's Female Admirer. So... Penguins go to school. Who knew? And so, yeah, he's basically reading a, a comic. He's having the time of his life reading this comic. And so his mom's like, yeah, you better get your butt to school or you're going to be late. There's only four of them in the school. So it's, it must be an amazing school where they're focused on their education. Their school is outside and not in a classroom. And so there's a new kid that comes to the class. And she instantly takes a liking to Pingu. And so, like, they're all, they're all, like, all everyone in the class is like, yeah, you can come sit with me. Pingu had, like, all of his books and his legs spread out. And she's like, I want to sit with you. And Pingu's like, oh, for God's sake. Like, just moving all these books. And you're there, go on, sit down then. And so she's all smiling at him. And he's just basically like, just leave me alone. And this is what made me laugh so much. Like, they're obviously writing down their homework assignment. Pingu's, like, muttering to himself, going, I can't believe this fool sitting next to me and messing up my whole damn thing and scribbling. And then she draws a picture of a heart to Pingu. <laughs> and she and Pingu's just basically like, oh, like, just get this off away from me. That made me laugh so much. Like, here she is, like, I'm here. I'm giving you my heart. 
and Pingu's just like, oh, get away from me. And then she gets she gets really, really upset. And so she's like trying to follow Pingu. And so she's like, you know what? Screw you. And she starts throwing snowballs at Pingu. And like one of them like hit him square in the head. And so he's like, right, you're gonna get it now. And so he ends up throwing a snowball and it hits someone's window. And so they're they're both like, oh snap, we're gonna be in trouble now. You don't messed up. So they both end up hiding somewhere. And so there's that like, someone look for them going, you don't broke my window. I'm gonna get you. And so they're both hiding away. And so in the end, they start bonding. And so they both start laughing like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> and Pingu's like, oh, you ain't so bad. Like, you know, you got me out of a jam kind of thing. And and so they're like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I'm going this way. Nope, 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 nope. I'm going this way. Okay, then. Bye. And so they have a little smooch. And that's how the episode ends. I was just absolutely brilliant episode i love this this was this was great i was actually going to send this to you to watch one thing about pingu is that when i was a kid i used to love watching pingu um but this is something that like now we can just say i want to watch pingu boom it's straight on the tv but you remember back in the day when like you never used to know when it come on i know it'd be so random as well wouldn't it they'd be like oh welcome to cbbc now we're showing Pingu, and I'm like, I ain't seen Pingu in five years. But I tell you what, right? Even as as a slightly older kid, I used to still watch Pingu. Yeah, I think Pingu, Pingu's timeless. I don't think you. I was watching Pingu even as like an older kid. I'd be like, I don't mind Pingu. Whenever it used to come, whether it be morning, whether it be CBBC as the first thing that came on, always had time to watch Pingu. Always. And now we have to pick. Should I go first? It's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Pingu, every day of the week. Every day of the week. And not because um, Bertha was a bad cartoon, but Pingu just has it. Has the edge every step. Well, it passes on, in your case, to generation to generation, hasn't it? So Yeah, exactly. You know what? I was going to pick Pingu, but uh, I'm, I'm going with Bertha. Because it, it's one of those where it's so nice to have high hopes for something and then it living up to those high hopes because that's exactly what Bertha did for me it lived up to the hype it lived up to the high hopes it didn't disappoint I loved every component of this cartoon and how it was well structured I think you talked about how it was filmed that it was just basically one place and instead of like doing all these weird really believed it was in the same yeah place in the, in the factory, Spottiswood. Exactly, yeah. And the characters were all great. They had depth. They had personality. We explored them all. There wasn't a case of, right, we're going to single one out and try and tell their story. We're going to tell everybody's story. Really and truly, this week, all the shows could have been a special. That's how highly they are. And Pingu didn't lose at all because... Pingu was amazing growing up. It held up for me when I was watching it. I got into Pingu because I thought he was annoying and belligerent, but I still liked him nonetheless. I liked watching Pingu again after all these years. And like I said, it was something that I watched even as an older kid. 
So it wasn't something that I did not watch. I would watch Pingu if it came on, 100%. I didn't mind. Didn't mind if I was 5 or 15, I'll still watch Pingu. Yeah, I, like, both cartoons today. I have to say that Bertha, again, thanks for yesterday's capers and you because introduced to another fantastic cartoon because like yeah i never would have heard of it never would have crossed paths with it and yeah yeah i mean like and obviously if yesterday's cable didn't exist i wouldn't have not watched bertha i mean i would have heard of it but i would have never sat down to watch it never sit down to enjoy it and put it up with another stop motion or claymation claymation cartoon and yeah this is what yesterday's cable is all about we were learning about all these different programs and Long may that continue. And uh, on that nice note, I think we can bring it to an end. Yep. Thank you for, for always listening to yesterday's capers. I always do appreciate that. We had a listener from Slovenia. So uh, shout out to the listener in Slovenia. I, I'm not sure I know a great deal, a lot about Slovenia, but I know somebody listening to my podcast. That's what I know about Slovenia. So Many thanks to that, to the people who are listening out there. I appreciate it. Shout out to all my fans in Ljubljana, baby. I think that's the capital city of uh, Slovenia. If I've said it wrong, I apologize. And uh, yeah, it's available wherever you get your podcast from. So if you want to listen to it from Slovenia, go ahead and keep on listening. Um, yeah, like I say, available wherever you get your podcast from. Maybe not YouTube, because YouTube be bugging out, as always. So just get it from uh, the podcast platforms. We're on the socials, so it's facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers. We're on Instagram at yesterday's capers one. We're on Twitter at yesterday capers. I'm on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. On Twitter at Abdullah Molim. Give me a follow. Holler, give me a holler, give me a shout. And uh, join us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. Oh, oh, oh.